Hey there, and welcome to the podcast Tiling Connect, hosted by Mark Moskwa. This show is designed to connect people with the best information intended to strengthen the business of tiling. To keep up to date with all the episodes, don't forget to subscribe. Tiling Connect is brought to you by Lux's Greats, the leaders in aluminium drainage, which are UV stable, rust proof and customizable on site. Available at your local tile or plumbing shop. Hey everybody, Mark here from Tiling Connect. Welcome to today's episode and um, really lucky and uh, privileged to have another amazing guest with us today, someone who's been in the industry for greater than 30 years um, and has dedicated much of his life to the tiling space. Uh, We have Fred Gray um, here and uh, hey Fred, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me and uh, I hope uh, I can... Uh, answer the questions, you know, all the questions and, and, and provide some insight. Awesome. I, mate, I'm absolutely super confident that you will, particularly given your experience. Now, I was having a look before and you'll probably explain this way more eloquently than I will, but you've got 20 years experience in as a builder, building and concrete space. Yep. Then before that, you moved into Laddercrete and worked with. You've been with Laddercrete for some time, uh, and in that that sort of technical um, uh, leadership consulting space, am, am, I, am I saying that correctly? Okay. Yeah. So uh, currently, all things technical, um, uh, advising people on how to how to tile properly. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, wow. Yeah. All and. And you joined Laddercrete in 1992, is that correct? Yeah, I think it was thereabouts, 1992, thereabouts, yeah. Wow. That's so yeah, that is a long time ago. So that's excellent. Mate, it's such a such a, um, it's so amazing to see people like yourself um, in the industry, still in the industry and doing some great things. So, but mate, I know that, you know, you, uh, you mentioned that, you know, you're obviously in a technical capacity, um, doing training, um, you know, attending seminars, writing trainings, writing technical specifications, I have no doubt, um, and, and being very active and live in sort of environments outside of, outside of the building and, and with contractors and that sort of thing, um, and, and writing, you know, just te- technical documents um, specifically. So um, I know that you've been very hands-on as well with the Australian Tile Council. And I know there's some other committees that you've been involved with, but I might, I might not take still too much of your thunder and, and get you to give us a little bit more of a, a look in on, on those, on the, on the roles. So, Ladder Creek, all things technical, using, um, you know, how to, uh, how to I guess, um, install tile permanently, um, you know, shockproof insulations, all those sorts of things with good warranties and, and uh, I, I guess, um, uh, life of structure installations and the like. So all things tiles, waterproofing, um, uh, uh, sound control, underlayments and the like um, is my day-to-day and uh, that involves not just specifications but training people, demonstrations, how to use products, what to do, what to avoid, what to look out for. Um, and the like. A part of, I guess, growing in that space um, is networking and <clears throat> being involved with um, industry organisations. So, um, Straight and Tile Council, as you mentioned, in the past, um, master builders, currently building consultant groups, um, anywhere where we can learn and network um, is, mm. is where I go. I think that um, Australian standard committees is, is uh, and being able to perform on those is the combination of those years of experience and networking and, and, and uh, understanding, I guess, what our industry is about and what to look out for and, and how to do it right. Certainly a world of experience, Fred, and, and one of the key reasons I wanted to get you on today was because of that depth of experience. It's not something you see that often anymore in our game. I know there's a lot of shifting and moving and changing and people retiring and, you know, there's a, I think there's a next generation of younger um, technical people coming through. And I wanted to 
really pick your brains today because one of the, the reasons we um, caught up recently was we were speaking about the uh, AS3958, which is the new, well, not the new, it's um, it's uh, the upgraded or enhanced version, depending upon how which, which uh, colourful word that you want to put it, was um, released on the 1st of December in 2023. Yep. After I've, I've, yeah, so um, I have no doubt that... Um, many, many hard uh, days, months and years have gone into making some amazing changes to this document. Can you give us a bit of an overview um, of the procedural sort of um, the document that's been developed or the changes that have been made and, and you know, around that sort of installation of ceramic and, and stone products? Okay, all right. So uh, a little bit of history, I suppose. Um, the, yeah. previous version, the previous version... Um, well, there was two version, uh, uh, two parts to the previous version, one and two. As you said, um, one part was last updated in 2007. The previous, uh, the other part, um, the last update was 1992 or something. Wow. So, so there was a, um, look, I think a crying need to, to modernise the document, uh, bring them together and will be a little bit more relevant or be, be more relevant with the current products that are being used out there um, uh, and the to coincide, I guess, with the way building is, is done today as opposed to all those years ago. So the document is, um, the, the standard is, <clears throat> goes through a process where uh, a formal proposal is put to Australian standards. That was done uh, by the Australian Tile Council who put together the, the proposal. The proposal uh, goes to standards. Standards send it out to uh, the stakeholders that we nominate on the document, mm. um, who, by the way, we solicited uh, uh, um, for support of the document and comment to the document. Um, the document um, uh, gets support and, and, and uh, I guess, um, representation from the stakeholders who, who eventually, stakeholders who eventually are the committee members of the document. The scope is set out in, uh, you know, what the document is supposed to be. So in the proposal, we outline what we expect from the document, uh, what we expect to produce. Goes through form, we go through formal meetings with Australian standards, whether they be face-to-face -face or, or these days um, video conferencing um, due to, you know, the past few years, the upheaval of the mm. past few years. So in the case of this current version, um, there was a three-year process in developing this document through video conferencing with all our stakeholders who represent you know, a, a very broad range uh, of the industry uh, that that are related to, I guess, tiling, um, CSIRO, Australian Tile Council, of course, uh, I think there's a, um, a whole group of them listed in the front cover there, TAFE. All these are the relevant stakeholders who, who, who sit there and by consensus we sit there and we go through the document and um, we compose or draft the document and, and make decisions about what should appear or what should be written in the document. I imagine it, it's, a lot, it, it's a rather large document, right? Um, the existing um, version, the two, 2007 and 1992 version. Is it easy to say that the revision was started from front to back and that's sort of how it was tackled in terms of looking at each part of the standards and, and making decisions on you know, what needed to be changed, updated, upgraded, that sort of thing? Uh, look, I think the original scope said, hey, let's combine both documents. So, so um, a lot of thought was put into uh, you know, how is that going to be set out? How is that going to be represented in the document? Uh, that's you know one part of the thinking. Um, uh, the other part of it is is uh, what other what is the new and relevant information that should be put into the document? So yeah, exactly. we 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 talk about new products. We talk about uh, new uh, methods. How how do people work today? Uh, safety concerns. To a certain extent, um, timeframes, problems with the old document as well. So mm. the, this is all discussed, and, and and I guess it's actually in the end very very simple because fortunately we had a, another document where a lot of the work and the formatting is already set out and laid out for us, and and then you would just simply start at A and uh, section one and work your way through the sections and develop the sections 
bearing in mind those other things that I said about how we've got to combine uh, two documents into one. In a lot of ways, that was handled by creating new appendices uh, in the document. So the design component, which is the subject of, of the 1992, um, the last 1992 draft, uh, was was put into an appendix in 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 the uh, in in the document to cover the design aspect of it. Because after all, yeah. this document is not just for tilers. This document is actually for designers and other yeah. people considering doing the tiling system and and those who are looking for the best way, um, you know, to to approach and, and do a project. Where, where did the like in terms of the new parts of the document, the new ideas or the pra- tiling practices that have been physically incorporated in modern tiling yeah. but but weren't represented in the past documents where did those new where did those new ideas come from when you were thinking about how do we make sure that we've we actually get everything in there <laughs> because yeah. that's yeah. That, that that's a really you know important question right like you know, how do we how do we get the right in, right information into that document <laughs> okay all right so so i guess that um from the Australian Tile Council's perspective, we have a technical committee. Yes. Um, and as a technical committee, we met uh, from time to time. And by the way, the technical committee is the one that did the proposal. Uh, from time to time, we would sit around and, and and we would talk about the deficiency of the document, ideally, in you know, what would we like to include in the document. Um, and we had our ideas and, and, and we uh, articulated those ideas in the proposal. So that becomes a part of the scope. Um, yeah. So w- when we have our first meeting, there's a scope and, and other stakeholders uh, then would contribute to that scope. So, so yes, a lot of it came from the Australian Toll Council. A lot of it came from other stakeholders involved in that. Could have been TAFE, it um, could have been the CSIRO, it could have been Australian industry groups and, and, and other people who, okay. who developed the scope. Yes. So there's a broad, there's a broad 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 range of people involved and and people like yourself that had that were incredibly um, dedicated much of their their life to the industry that you know have have a world of experience. <laughs> well, well, okay. Well, 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 well. In essence, yes. But I, I think the credit goes to uh, you know somebody had to drive it. Oh, of and, course, yes. You know, and I think the ultimately the technical media, the Australian Tile Council, you know, was listening to what the industry was saying. <laughs> Uh, and as you know, a peak body representing tiling in Australia um, did the right thing and, and drove the proposal forward. Yeah. So, right. so, so, but you know, having said that, again, as and as we've said, there are many, many moving parts and many moving wheels in all of this that came together to produce the scope and ultimately the document. You know. Yeah. And I think absolutely that, um, one of the. One of the major, uh, I guess, considerations with the new document was uh, the continual talk about the old document just being a guide to yeah. tiling, and, and and it didn't have any any teeth to it, and and that um, why should I follow it because it's just a guide? I'm going to do um, I'm going to do what uh, I've always done, and and mm. and yeah, I, I, yeah, that document is okay, but you know, it's it's just a guide. Uh, yeah. to, today to, to where it's actually a standard that has normative requirements, which yes. says thou shalt do this, you know, and, and that um, if the document is called up in, in any specification or people are working to the standard, there are requirements now that are mandatory. So it's, it has, a, you know, a, I guess it has more authority, uh, the document. And I think, um, uh, you know, as much as... Some may say that we didn't need that. Um, a lot are out there, you know. A lot of people in the industry saying, "Yes, we did need that." I, I look. I think that it's a great step forward, and it's very progressive to look at, you know, moving away from it being just a guide to being more, as you say, normative um, parts in that in the AS three nine five eight. I think we need to. Uh, there needs to be that direction. I think people look for that, particularly a lot of the younger. Uh, tiling contractors coming through, learning the trade, you know, if, expect them to create amazing work but give them an ambiguous platform to do it on, well, then we just get all types of different results. It's the same way that we have for the last 20 or 30 years. So yeah. drawing a line in the sand um, I think was needed and uh, I think yeah, that's a great thing that, um, that that's been done. Okay. So the document, there's a lot of flexibility in the document because mm. um, 
it's not like the whole document is normative and that uh, every word is gospel. Sure. Um, they're the important things, uh, you know, um, coverage and movement joints and, and, and the like, um, uh, the, the subject of a lot of discussion and problems um, that have mandatory components to it, um, um, which are, you know, uh, unequivocally say thou shalt do certain things, you know, which is strong guidance. Well, look, let's talk about some of the more specific stuff. I've got a few questions here um, and some questions that have come in from our listeners as well I'd like to go through and let's see if we can unpack this a little bit more because ultimately, you know, I imagine that um, everyone that is involved in the industry has a very similar belief that, you know, this sort of document is that gospel, that Bible that we would like to have in as many people's hands as possible uh, so that they've got that there to educate them through that their tiling journey, however long that might be. So yeah. um, what look, starting off, I mean, what sort of improvements or changes do you think the new uh, document holds um, for the you know, th- throughout the installation process? What are some of the what are some of the more prominent changes that have that have occurred? Okay, all right. So um, the combination of the two parts was significant uh, because that allowed us to uh, in, in now and in the future to update both parts at the same time because they do work hand in hand. The design considerations are very important. Not you know it's not just how to do something, but the design considerations are very important as well. So yeah. um, so that was that was significant. Uh, the mandatory, of course, what we just discussed, uh, the mandatory components um, to it was significant. Uh, I think that uh, uh, inclusion of natural stone and engineered products uh, in the standard was a, a very big step. The introduction of five categories of tiling was an important step as well. I think that uh, it's introducing uh, the tiler, the designer, to greater design flexibility when it comes to designing systems. The addition, I think, probably finally the addition of more appendices, underfloor heating, how to how to measure moisture in substrates. Some of the some of the more relevant, more important appendices um, that were required uh, mm. to deal with um, the way the industry has changed. Underfloor heating, for instance, is is, um, is something that's uh, grown leaps and bounds, not just not just in Tasmania or in the Snowy Mountains, but in, in Sydney and, 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 and um, even in Brisbane and, 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 mm. and warmer climates, you know. Yeah. Um, how do we measure moisture in concrete? The, the subject... Uh, this subject has, uh, uh, you know, uh, has been on the thorn of the side of the tiler for many years. You know? mm. So, so they're important. They're all the important changes I think that that have been made. Um, I think that better clarity and detail, yeah, of not necessarily of new information, but of existing information. Existing, yeah, that's great. I think uh, the introduction of better details, coloured details. Um, uh, more relevant details, more 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 uh, clearer details. They're all some of the the major changes I think in the document. Um, yeah, look, there's there's a big scope there of um some pre- there's some pretty big topics and scope of things that have been you've, that you've mentioned. There there's a couple that I'm I just want to deep dive into a little bit further, and one of them was you you mentioned about natural stone um, and engineered stone. Any of the changes or upgrades that were made in that document obviously would have been preceding the uh, uh, ban that's just been brought about on engineered stone um, products. Are there some, is there some impact there on that with regards to what decisions have been made and, and would that need to be revised again in the short term to meet the changes? Because that, that space um, changed so rapidly towards the end of last year. Um, look, I think that... Um the document um, provides some upfront warning about, for instance, respirable uh, silica. Yeah, um, it, it doesn't really do much more than more than that. Um, I guess um, outside the scope of what this document is about, this document is about how to do things and and with certain products. Yes, yeah. 
it, it obviously suggests that we do it with all due care and responsibility, um, and that um, it, 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 again, it does provide a warning about it, but it's outside the scope of the document. Now, in terms of, uh, you know, should we have had engineered products in this document, I think that um, in terms of engineered products, there's more than just the types of products that seem to be the subject of industry bans. So it's, it's so and composite products and, and and the like. So engineered products um, covers a very broad range of products. Um, and so at this stage, I think it still needs to be there. As, as we discussed before, um, I'm um, out of uh, construction. Mm. Silica has been silica has been an issue in the construction industry in general for many many decades. You know. And that, um, and that I'm not sure where it's all going to head, and I'm not sure whether it's within the scope of really of this, you know, this, uh, this podcast to discuss it. You know, it's a it's a whole different area. Yeah, I think that um, there's there's a lot of, there's a long way, or or, or, or there's still a, a a bit to go before we find out how this space is going to settle down. Yeah, absolutely. And how is it really going to affect what we do? I mean. Mm. Are we, you know, um, are we really going to ban porcelain tile? Are we really going to ban bricks? Are we really going to ban concrete? Are we going to ban sandstone? Because all these products, you know, of course, uh, could be the subject of, um, you know, um, complaint and, and, and safety issues, you know. It's how, mm. how do we handle all of this? I don't, I don't know where it's going to go, so, yeah. so I'm not sure. You and I both, Fred, I was having this conversation with a client last week in New Zealand and uh, we were discussing this exact topic about the proposed, um, you know, bans on particular products and, I, and, and we're all sort of scratching our heads going, so the future is looking bright. We could all be living in tents. Um, that's maybe where we end up, but hopefully smarter heads will prevail and we'll have a balance that will um, meet the needs of safety can you help us explain, or can you explain for us a little bit more about, you know, the critical steps that have been outlined um, in this document, sort of for successful tile installation? Have there been any changes in that space, or and or additions? Okay, all right. I've been a great believer in following, um, I guess, uh, the the analysis of project data, which was page one, two, or three. Um, of the 1992 part of the standard, where it talks about um, you know analysing project data, looking at the base structure, um, you know substrate geometry. Um, it talks about uh, the construction schedule and, and and then consolidating you know that information along with um, you know what materials I'm going to lay, what type of beddings uh, materials do I need to lay it, um, you know to to come up with um, I guess a plan about how I'm going to do the job uh, and, then, and then translating that information into a drawing or a specification uh, and then once I have that to execute it and comply to what you've, you know, what you've thought about is, is, is the best way to do the job. Now, in my day-to-day, I use those principles when I talk to uh, anybody looking for a specification or, or information on how to, how to do the job. My first question, you know, is... is is it you know, environmental concern? Is it internal? Is it external? There's a there's a there's a table of questions that just run through my mind and that I would run through to get sufficient information to devise that plan to do the work or specification to do that work. To 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 all all, all the to everybody out there, it's it's now in that that same chart is still um, in the standard, and I think personally, I think it's an excellent place to start with in terms of how do I do my job to make sure I have success. Mm. It's laid out there for you straight away in, in that analysis of the project uh, data. Nice. So is it internal, is it external? Uh, is it concrete, um, you know, is it um, framed framework? All, all the relevant parts to just run through it, write it down, look at it in front of you so that you can make a decision about what you're going to do. And that's look. That's it's an important aspect, right? Particularly with a younger audience growing up in the industry, for them to be able to grab that document and go, okay, 
step one, step two, step three, or, you know, ABC, and these are the considerations that they need to look at when they look at a project. Yep, and that I know that the TAFEs, um, you know, teach this approach. Yep. Um, I, I know that um, many of the uh, specifiers out there, um, uh, Laddercrete, uh, our competitors, all have the same approach. Yeah. Um, that um, we need to be forearmed with what we're doing before we actually start the work is the key thing. Yeah. Um, we can't just start the work and then all of a sudden find out all these either latent conditions or things that we should have known that we should have been dealing with in our initial plan. You know, there's mm-hmm. no point in doing that. And, and ultimately, for the experienced, um, you know, as you as you grow into into this industry and develop experience, um, that process becomes quicker and more automatic. Right. Yeah. Um, in determining what do I need to do and what uh, you know what do I need to look out for, which is called experience. Yeah. Right. 100%. So, but you know, yeah. but as somebody starting out in the industry, um, the standard. Um, has a, a graph or a document, if you like, that outlines this process and, and, and the considerations uh, that one should think about in each of these steps as you yeah. go through the document, which yeah, is, nice. uh, you know, would provide very good grounding in uh, and education in how do I approach the project and how do I devise the best plan to do the work. Absolutely. Fred, are there any uh, specific safety measures included in the upgraded um, AS3958 that, that the or our community should know about? Uh, safety? Um, yeah. Or precautions yeah. or anything. I mean, I, I know that we, um, yeah, we touched so on not, something earlier, but... Not necessarily because the scope of the document is simply how to do something. Yeah. So uh, it would refer you to other documents and other government bodies that cover this in greater detail um, and more specifically. So, for instance, you know, if you were to go to work cover um, and and uh, get processes on on how to uh, do, you know, um, cut a tile. Look, okay. So, do we do we wet saw in preference to dry cutting? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, um, do we wear Dust masks and hearing protection and gloves and and, and, and personal PPE. Yes, we do yes. do that. Mm. Um, okay. This is a part of. Um, I think this is also a part of trade education, industry education. Yeah, you can't go to a building site, um, you know, without seeing all the signs, without doing toolbox talks, uh, without going through safety audits, without going through site inductions that tell you how to do all of this tell you what's expected um, along with your trade. Uh, yep. Specifically for tiling, I'm not sure that other than manual lifting the correct way and not dry cutting would be the two two things that I would say to people, you know, to watch out for. Mm. They're not articulated. Okay. In the, they're not articulated in the document. I haven't had the best opportunity at the start of this year to deep dive right through the document yet. And I thought I'd ask this question because I have um, yourself on today. I imagine it was, it was discussed. How far yeah. do we go? How far do we go with providing um, work health and safety information within the yeah. stock? The answer we got back to the group: we operate within the parameters and guidelines set to us, given to us by Australian standards yeah. in producing yeah, the doc. And what we can do and how we do it is, is strictly controlled. Did the committee discuss uh, discuss this? The answer is yes. Yeah. Uh, and the answer we get back, of course, is, is that, um, um, you know, this is a guy, uh, a, a document on how to do something. Mm. Yeah. And there are other documents that discuss on how, you know, on, on, on how to work safely. Yeah, absolutely. Can you tell me, is there a... A wider inclusion now in the document around uh, the installation of large format panel systems, tile panels. Yes, there is. Um, oh, cool. That um, um, there is a section. So, so large large format tile is differentiated in the document uh, uh, as opposed to large format panel. Ah. Yes. So there are descriptions uh, and installation practices. For both, of course. Fantastic. 
Excellent. Yeah, I, I know that that was one of many things that was lacking in the last document uh, due to, you know, the evolution and change of the industry and, you know, you'd always have a lot of conversations and I'm sure you dealt with this on a probably a daily or weekly or monthly basis with Laddercrete where you would, get, you would um, have a lot of inquiries from contractors around what are the right procedures and standards and what is the right night size notch trowel to use and what are the best adhesives, you know, what, you know, what sort of coverage should we be aiming for and that sort of thing, so... Okay, well, specifically on that, uh, the first standard for working with large panel, uh, curiously enough, came out of the US, the ANSI ah, document, yep. and that um, I think that we've aligned with the thinking of the ANSI document in ours, um, yep. that the, the methods of um, uh, surface preparation, um, of physically preparing the panel for, for tiling for, for adhesives, and the bedding of the panel um, are very similar uh, yep. to that. Notching both sides, the substrate and the panel, for instance. Minimum final bed tile adhesive thicknesses of five millimetres. Using certain trowels, um, placement methods, the special tools that are required, it's, it, they're all discussed. In fact, actually, Laddercrete um, have um, pro focus training seminars specifically dealing with how to lay large panels. So when I say large panel, one and a half metres by three metre panels either on yeah. walls or floors. Yeah. So we um, conduct those seminars uh, in line with the way the standards describe how this work should be done. Yeah, nice. I think yeah. I, I actually attended one in Brisbane Last year, and found, I think it was the very it was the foundation yeah. um, training session. It was actually really good. There was an excellent crowd there, and everyone was really engaged. And it was um, a really intense day to fit so much in, but it was um, it was very worthwhile attending. Highly yeah. encourage it. So, Anybody listening? So, look, without wanting to be you know sort of negative about this, a lot of tilers uh, in in the years gone by, I noticed a lot of tilers are very adventurous, um, mm. and a lot of them step outside their comfort zone and take on work uh, that they haven't traditionally done. So, for instance, we used to see a lot of uh, swimming pool tilers um, who, I'm going to say, sorry, bathroom tilers who've gone into swimming pool tile. Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay, because uh, if I can lay a bathroom tile, I can lay a swimming pool tile. So there was, um, uh, you know, there was a, a bit of a learning curve for a lot of these guys and, and, and that if we can help along the way, because we... We don't, you know, we, we would like to see these guys broaden their range of uh, um, expertise and, and um, we just have to say that it's just not as simple as moving from one of these areas of work into another. You need to have the training. There are plenty of us out there providing specialised training for uh, this to happen and, and that uh, my advice to these guys is just don't jump into from a bathroom into a swimming pool if you're mm. going to. Make sure you're jumping with somebody who's showing you how to do it the right way. Yeah, absolutely. And panel work is no different, right? And and of oh, course the pro, the pro focus was um, the pro focus course on these was to uh, you know open people's eyes to actually what's involved, so that mm. they could make a informed decision about whether they're going to actually go into this. Because of course, as you know, there's um, there's a big cost in tooling up for the work as well. Right? Oh, absolutely. I, I still vividly remember. I, I, I rem remember the name of the contractor, but I'll, I'll keep it. I'll keep it out of this conversation for for the sake of everything. Um, but certainly, I was chatting with a guy who was there, and he was telling me about the job that he literally had taken on um, somewhere, and it was three point two by one point six twenty mil slabs yeah. going on a floor. I yeah. think from memory, and I just. Oh, my, the look on my face was, and I think there was like two or 300 square metres of this stuff that they had to lay. And yeah. just imagining the weight of those panels going on that substructure um, just yeah. blew me away. And, and, and to your point, very experienced Tyler, not sure how experienced he was in that space and had yeah. taken that job on. And, and, you know, the customer was obviously a wealthy customer. You obviously had, you know, a nice big home and they wanted to make it um, more beautiful by the minute. So you're right. You need to seek the right advice and get the right training and support to ensure success 
when you start tackling those sorts of jobs if your main thing that you've been doing every day is bathrooms, en-suites and splashbacks. You know, the bigger the tile gets, the more complicated it is, the systems are different, the costs are different, um, the safety um, is different. And I think, uh, you know, the level of profitability might be larger, but by the time you get to the end of the job, that can very easily and quickly get swallowed up if you break break some panels. Yeah, break a couple of panels and all of a sudden you you know you make a couple hundred bucks. It, you know, it's it's a very yeah. complex scenario. So Yeah, again, without wanting to be negative, um, uh, going to a swimming pool where there's t- twenty panels of that size and that thickness all yeah. drumming and falling off for the guy who's never done a job like that before in his life um, was a bad move, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, when we when we do these um, seminars, you know, one of my questions is is why are you here? And mm. some of them do say, well, I've just won a job and I don't know how to do the work. Yeah. Or, or, or some say, I've done some of this work and got it all wrong and I need to I need to understand, um, you know, how to do it uh, for the future. So, yeah. and, and as you said, their cost it can be costly mistakes. Some of those panels are worth a couple of grand, you know, just for one panel. And the yeah, wrong cut, wrong, wrong hole, and you can write off some money pretty quickly. Yeah, very quickly, yeah. It all adds up in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A brief word from our sponsor. Are you looking for a water drainage solution that serves its purpose and adds a touch of elegance to your space? Lux's grates are here to revolutionise your indoor and outdoor applications. Whether it's a shower, bathroom, balcony, pool or any other area, Lux's grates is the ideal choice. It's quick and easy installation that you can bang out in just over an hour. Their standard grates offer a classic and timeless look, while the next generation style adds a modern twist to your space. Lux's grates are made of high quality anodized aluminium, ensuring durability and longevity. Fred, getting back to some of the uh, some of my um, questions as well. Sorry, yeah. I went a little bit yeah. off topic there. Before I do though, interestingly enough, this is a I, look, I've been in the industry now for 21 years, so I'm certainly no, probably probably half the tenure of someone like yourself who's got a lot more experience. I see this document as a defining moment in the change of how our industry operates, purely because of the length of time that we've seen in between the documents. And, um, you know, there's been some other things that have happened through the ATC um, during that time, before the launch of uh, the 2023 version of the AS, AS, uh, AS3958. When, you, when you're talking with contractors, and, and I'm sure that there's many out there that would be disenfranchised, and I know there's a lot of them out there that don't own a copy of the old document, what do yep. you say to someone when you have a conversation with them about these changes and they go, oh, look, I don't need it. Um, you know, I've got 15 years' experience. It's not really going to be any good to me. Yeah, what do you say to someone that has that sort of um, opinion to get, them, yeah. get them to get them to get them on board and, and buy in on the journey of the of, of the standards? I think that first of all, you know, what value do people see in the document is the important question, and that in the variety of people that I meet out there, many of the uh, how can I say professional contractors uh, and and the like are interested in what the standard have to say, uh, do have copies of the standards. They do make sure that, um, uh, they do make sure that um, uh, people they're working with or, or, or their employees also have copies of the standards. So uh, as much as you say a lot of them don't have them, a lot of them do, mm-hmm. um, and, and a lot of them are quite interested in talking about the document and are passionate enough, I guess, uh, to, you know, wait for the next edition and, and read it from cover to cover so that they can come and talk to somebody about it as well. You know, So I run into those sorts and I run into those sorts who um, who, who don't own um, um, a copy of of the document, um, those who um, are happy enough, um, I guess, working for somebody uh, and doing what they're told. So there's that group of people who... Who, who are there just to, to do a job um, and, and don't necessarily see that. Um, mm. uh, TAFE students um, um, are, are the ones that um, I guess um, are going through the motions of learning the industry and becoming uh, 
uh, apprentice tile, who are apprentice tilers becoming tilers and the like, um, I think um, should have, um, all have as a part of um, their course copy of the standard. I don't know whether, uh, I don't know how this could happen. I'll, I'll be quite, you know, um, perhaps maybe uh, in, in the near future, there could be student versions of the document so that uh, these people get them at a better price you know, because they're mm. starting out and starting out. Um, I guess I never saw the sense mm. in not knowing your industry Bible or not having your industry Bible um, because this is, after all, what you're making, you know, what controls what you're making your living out of, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and that um, it... it, it uh, Ultimately, you know, um, you can simply equate it, you know, I mean, this is very simplistic. You can simply equate it, you know, to, well, geez, it's, you know, it's the price of four slabs of beer, you know, um, and, or, or something else that might be relevant to you, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not necessarily, you know, some, oh, it's too expensive, I can't afford it. But, but, but really, is it, you know, um, is it too expensive? If I had my own way, it would be given out for free. I'm an yeah. advocate of not charging for any technical information, uh, not charging for books, producing books and, and the like. I've, uh, you know, I've articulated that in many of the forums I go. Yeah. Hey, let's give it away, you know, just mm. give it away. Um, the industry can only benefit if we give this information away, you know. So yeah. hopefully, so hopefully um, uh, you know, that might come to pass that we'll, we'll, we'll give these documents away. But in the meantime, I think if you're, if you're making a living tiling, I really don't see any reason why you shouldn't be buying a copy of it and having it, you know. And I, I think I was talking with, it may have been Chris before he went overseas, um, and this would have been late last year. We were back and forth while we were speaking on the phone and he mentioned that I think there is a deal where if you buy a certain amount of copies on the a, um, SAI Global website, that um, you get a discount for buying, I think, five or six or maybe ten versions or two yeah, copies of yeah. the same document. So I think that, yeah, I think that there was. I'm not sure if it still exists. Yes, you buy, buy in bulk, you can, you can get better pricing. Yeah, yeah but look, on, on your wavelength of thinking that, you know, I think that, you know, if, um, if there's an opportunity to improve the industry, uh, you know, monumentally and quickly and, and, the, and all that, that that's required is giving away an educational document for free, even for a period of time. I think that can only benefit and um, help um, you know the tiling industry. In, in, yeah. In so, so so we've got our building code, the National Construction Code. Yeah. Um, I used to pay subscriptions to get that um, uh, every, every new edition, et cetera, et cetera. But these days it's free. You can download. Mm. So, you know, if we can, if, you know, I think that's, you know, heading in the right direction. If we can download our construction code for free, perhaps in the end, um, you know, downloading copies of our standard for free um, will eventually come. And that um, when you think about it, it's a document that's created by industry participants, well, who, who, are, who are technically there uh, as, as um, volunteers doing the yep. work. So it's not a paid position, um, you know, from the perspective of Australian standards. And I don't want to – this is not about bagging or, or, or giving no. Australian standards a hard time at all, of course, because they do – I think that they do a great job. Um, they're, you know, they're, uh, they have to produce standards. and uh, But, you know, given that um, the cost base for doing this uh, in terms of the persistence doesn't really exist um, – uh, I'm not sure why we can't give these documents away free. You know. I, I'm not sure. I think that I got that from 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 Laticrete over the decades that I've worked with Laticrete. Every single document that we've had there has always been always available for free. Books, you know, mm. printed printed texts, all those things were all given away for free because yeah. it can only benefit us. You know, it can mm-hmm. only benefit the industry. Fred, as a um if a new tile, if, if if a tile contractor or a professional tiler picks up, made aware through this podcast, through the community that you know the new document is there and it's available, what bit of advice would you give them to encourage them to buy a copy? Like, what is it about this document that they're going to pick it up and go, "Hey, you know, this is amazing. And why didn't I do this ten years ago or fifteen years ago?" 
if you're going to do, um, if you're going to um, design a tiling installation or um, build a, a tiling installation, I think it's incumbent on you to know what the minimum standards are required for that job, and that it's it's written out in a standard the minimum requirements for you to do that work. I think um, any responsible person doing that sort of work uh, should know what they are. So so there's a requirement for you to, if you don't own a copy, at least know what's required of you to do that work. Yeah. So if you don't own a copy of the standard and nobody's telling you um, what's required of you uh, to stay within um, the bounds of that document, um, then how do you know? whether you're meeting community expectations or your customers' mm. expectations. Yeah. How do you, how do you know that, uh, you know, there's integrity in what you do and, and how you act? Mm. So I think that um, there's lots of compelling reasons why you should own a copy. I don't want to I make anybody rich from, from from selling the book. No. I get no commissions here. Uh, but, no. um, but, but I think that if, you know, look, Many of many of the people I talk to come straight to us for, for technical information. Mm-hmm. They yeah, bypass, they you know they bypass. I guess or they think they're bypassing the fact that they need to have a standard by coming straight to us. But I think what people yeah. should understand also is is that as much as we offer uh, good technical information that meets the standards of good trade practice, we're not necessarily there to provide or enforce what the standards say. Yes. We act and provide information based on the standards, but mm. we're not there to enforce somebody's requirement to work within the standard. A good example of, uh, of that is waterproofing. Yeah. Um, we do a lot of waterproofing training and uh, many, many, you know, it may be that we're not articulating what we're doing correctly, but many people think they're coming to our courses to get a license to waterproof you know, or to be become waterproofers, whereas, you know, we're as a manufacturer, we're offering uh, product training, how to use our, our product within the bounds of the legislation and the like, not mm. to actually train somebody to be a waterproofer with it. Teach them how to be a better waterproofer, but not to be a waterproofer. Mm. So you need, you need these documents. You need these documents to understand uh, your boundaries and, and, um, and, and uh, limitations. I think um, from the years of experience that I have in the industry, I think the other thing that these documents do as well is provide you a platform for having a voice when you're negotiating with people on building sites. So if you're a contractor and the builder is telling you, Mr. Tyler, you need to do it this way, and you know from reading the document or um, through experience that that's not necessarily the right way to do it. You can use the document to have a, you know, a very factual discussion about achieving the right outcome on the job. And without that document, you can't do that. Like you don't, it's, it's literally two people coming together and having a, a, a varying opinion about the same project. So I have always found that, you know, you can have a, a much more healthy discussion. And that's an extension to what you were saying is that, you know, there's that and then yeah, there, sure. you, know, you build better relationships with everyone. That's right. Knowledge is power. Right? Yeah. So I guess, you know, if you need to protect yourself and protect what you do and your reputation, um, understanding what you write, understanding um, you know, what are the limitations and how far can you go is very important. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and, right. you know, to, to, to make sure that, um, you know, that uh, uh, you have integrity in, in, in what you're doing and, and, and how you act and behave, you know? Were during the process of, um, I mean, how long did, how many years, how many years have you, has the team, the committee and the stakeholders been working on this change? Has it been three, four, five, longer? Uh, okay, so I, um, I first um, became a member of BD44, which is the committee for the ceramic tiling uh, in, yep. in uh, Australia's standard speak. I was first a member, uh, joined in 2005. Wow. So I've been a continuous member of this committee since that time. So yeah. So so the committee, um, you know, this is uh, these are evolving documents. They're live documents in the sense that, um, okay, there might be uh, times when they're just sitting there dormant, waiting for something to happen to them. Uh, but the you know the committee is um, 
there's some committee members, uh, many committee members who have been around uh, for all those years um, who, you know, we know each other and, and we meet uh, in, in, in different environments and in different places at different times. Uh, and s some of our discussions are about these very things that, um, you know, that we uh, do or should do in standards, you know. Mm. Uh, what should the next document contain? Going back to what we were talking about before, you know, how do we know what to put into the next standard? We know that by by our discussions over the years, you know, uh, about our own experiences on job sites and the like and, and, and what we're seeing and what we need to address, you know. Mm. So, um, yeah, so, so there, the tiling standard doesn't evolve as fast, for instance, as the waterproofing standards evolve. Mm. And 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 the reason for that, and by the way, the Australian Toll Council is involved in waterproofing standards as well. But um, uh, that don't evolve as fast because uh, they're they're not a required standard for the building code, whereas waterproofing standards are, because the building code, mm. um, the building code relies on, on um, or, or waterproofing standards are controlled by the building code, are legislated by them. So there's there's more. Priority in, in upgrading and updating those documents than say the time standard. So it's up to us in the industry to to keep on driving these changes to the tiling standards. There's a um, how can I say? I think that there's a new view within Australian standards that um, that these documents need to be more regularly uh, regularly updated, and and I think we should take advantage of that. Yeah, absolutely. Were there any, a uh, couple of final questions, mate. Were there any um, surprises um, in the new standards that you thought wouldn't be included? Any surprises? Um, no, not, no, not really. I, look, um, I think that um, the disappointing thing about standards is, is that you're only given a certain time frame to develop a document and you can only have certain X amount of meetings and you can only do so much work. So I yeah, think right. that the, the disappointment with standards is, is that you're never really developing the document that you want. Right. You know, and that there's always room to move and, and there was always things that should have been in there um, and that, um, that, that was never enough time uh, to do. So, so is, you know, would, if I hazard a guess here, um, I would say that most of the committee members would be proud of the work that has been done. And they should be, yep. But at the same time would say we wish we could have done a lot more and we had a lot more to do. So I think that um, I think that's a perpetual state with most standards, so, you know, with most of the committees. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of passionate people on these committees. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, and, 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 you know, without knowing... Intimately, all of the committee members, I know a few of them, uh, you know, I, I, big thank you um, to all of you who were involved and, and um, you know, made and sacrificed, uh, you know, your time and, and volunteered um, that to get this where it's where it is today. It, it's, um, it's, it's massive and I think it's huge and I think, um, yeah, without the kind heart of many people, we would never have... We would never be where we are today with the um, with the updated version. Well, well, um, I'm, I'm I'm sure that they'd be grateful to receive those thanks. Um, I was very fortunate um, because it was part of my job description with Laddercrete to be you know to network, to be involved in industry organisations, uh, to participate, to make sure that um, that the industry within our blinkered view, I guess progressed in the, in the right directions and, and, mm. and that was uh, that we were only improving the industry. So, so, so for me, I liked doing this, but, but guess what? It was a part of my job. So, yeah. so um, for me, it was, um, you know, it, was, it was great to be there and, and, and it's good to do this sort of stuff. You know? uh, I think nice. the other important thing about it is, is that um, for those committee members and those close to the working groups that surround um, these committees, um, it's an incredible learning curve. And, that, yeah. you know, I'm just saying for people out there that um, if you, um, just giving a plug now, if you have something to contribute but also the motivation to contribute, there's, there's always room for people somewhere in working yeah, groups. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good place to be. It's awesome to throw that out there, Fred, you know, particularly for, you know, people that are, 
incredibly passionate about the industry, not just from a you know a, a, an application installation perspective, but want to have more uh, input um, and influence over you know these sorts of documents and changes in the future. We can't we can't all do what we're doing forever. Um, we have we have all an invisible timeline on our forehead, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. don't be shy. Put your hand up. Get involved. Well, yeah, I think that, um, and, 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 and again, to plug uh, the Australian Tile Council, um, look, I think that we've got a like-minded group of people there. You know, for whatever reason, they all came together now, um, are together to improve our industry, uh, to, to make sure that there's better outcomes for not only the suppliers and the installers, but the consumer, that we need to, uh, we need to move forward with... Um, uh, training, um, uh, making sure that people understand with, with new standards and people understand new standards uh, to improve our uh, uh, what we do you know, to mm. to promote tiling. Yeah, nice. uh, so that's a big thing. That's a very big yeah. thing. And huge. Fred, you've been great today. I've got a couple. Of, I've just got two more questions to wrap it up. We we may not have time for fast track today, only because you've been. You can give on that. I'm okay for time. So you. Oh yeah. Okay. Good. Awesome. We sort of may may have touched on this before, him, but uh, uh, is there now a timeline for uh, ongoing updates and revisions and that sort of thing for this document that have been um, put on as part of a strategy, or should we just strap ourselves in and hold on for the ride? No, look, I think that um, I think we need to uh, gauge, I guess. Um, market reaction to it. I've not necessarily seen a lot of market reaction to it. Um, mm. uh, it's still pretty new. We're only, we're only just in January. And, you yeah, know, no, two months old. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, um, I, I'm not sure that, um, you know, I've you know, nobody's really come to me and said, uh, you know, um, shaking their fist or smiling happily about it. Um, I think, uh, like you said, people are you know, still need to get it and absorb it and, and, and figure out what it's about. Um, the committee itself recognises, again, recognises that this document needs more regular updating and I think that as a committee that's going to, that's going to happen in due course um, and uh, carry on with the, some of the ideas and, and development plans that we had, you know, that we still have for this document. So, mm. so that will... So that is going that is going to happen, and I, I I probably wouldn't like to see any more than three years between documents. If we could achieve less than you know through three to four years between documents, I think that would be a, a good thing. Uh, we'll see how that goes, though. You know, so well after all, you know, I mean, if you go to stone uh, ceramic installed stone tiling industry was the source of significant complaint. Yeah. And that um, I think a lot of that, um, I think there's been a lot of education. Uh, I think there's been a lot of soul searching. I think there's been a lot of um, changes that, have, uh, that our industry has gone through. And I think that we're in a better place with this. I think mm. that uh, a higher quality of advice out there from the manufacturers. I think that uh, contractors and designers are working more closely um, with industry to make sure that there's, there's less problems. Yeah. Um, and I think that's for the greater part has worked um, in many areas, um, and that's only going to continue um, if we can continue producing good documentation and provide uh, good training mm. for contractors and the like, yeah. people, sh shopkeepers, uh, you know, outlets and the like. That's another area. Well, Fred. Thank you so much for your time today. We're certainly not quite finished. We're getting there. Um, okay. One of the areas we like to touch on towards the end of our episode is just some final fast track questions. It helps our audience and community get to know the guests a little bit better and okay. uh, yeah, how they tick and that sort of thing. So I think for me, um, I like to ask a bit of a mix here. So what, what is a common myth about your job or field of expertise? that it's easy. People think I have a, a an easy job, you know. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm not sure that um, I'm not sure that I have common. If we're talking about about work, um, yes, yeah. tiling. Um, uh, I think a, a common myth 
that I run across all the time is is that um, tiling is height restricted. Um, there's nothing in any standard um, that I know of um, or the like that says that tiling can't go past 2.4 metres high, you know, externally. Mm. So that's probably the obvious one. Um, I have no problem going to any, you know, the, the system's going to any height. I might have a problem with some of the people doing the work. Or, so, yeah, um, tiling beyond 2.4 um, metres in height is a, is a myth. If you had to eat one meal every day for the rest of your life, what would it be? Okay, I would say um, I would say barbecue chicken. What's one lesson that your job has taught you in life that everyone should learn at some point? That you can always keep on learning and there's always something to learn. My life has been one continual exercise, I guess, in, in, in learning about what I do. Who's been, you know, throughout your career, um, who would you classify as one of your most important professional mentors? Well, one of the, well, actually, in fact, a very, um, I started in tiling in the 90s. And the first, one of the first characters I think that uh, um, I came across in those days who has influenced me significantly over this time is a guy called Henry Rothberg. Now Henry is uh, currently is, is is currently and has been the owner one of the owners of Ladder Creek, um, uh, and um, now resides and, and who resides in the USA. But for for a long time in in the nineties he lived in Australia, and when I went into tiling, um, um, I met Henry, who's who's actually taught me a lot about the industry, about tiling, about people in the industry and the like. And um, um, I think that um, he probably uh, had one of the strongest influences on the way I thought and, and the way I, I uh, thought about tiling and the way, you know, what I did about tiling active um, mm. in, in my job and how active in my job. Yeah, wow. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say him, he's a... Um, um, very interesting character. He is, isn't he? I had the pleasure of meeting him once in Melbourne. Yeah. He attended, we, who were we working with? Atar at the time. I got yeah. yeah. We, went, we were there for, I was working with uh, National Tiles and we were there looking at some slip test rating machines and things um, and Henry was there as well. I think it was actually arranged by the ATC in Melbourne at the time, so it was a bit of an excursion. Um, and I think we may have had a meeting there, and yeah, had a bit of a chat to Henry. So, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think one of the so so one of the things about the him that I liked, if we have to go, you know, talking about that, yeah. was the the guy always had plenty to say about how things are, yes, uh, or 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 how things should be done. He was never personal about it. He was never mm. personal about anything, but he always articulated um, how how things. Um, should be done, or, or or how one should think about something. Um, some people may take that, you know, some of the things um, um, in different ways. I always took it as, you know, um, anything he said, I always took it as being very positive um, and um, very worldly on how to look at certain situations or, or, or problems and the like, which I thought was. Um, you know, suited my personality. You know, so I found him. You know, I found him a, a good educator, um, um, and a guy with lots of experience. And I needed to know what this guy knew. You know, yeah. Because yeah, after nice. all, he uh, he lived through. I guess um, he lived through the start of the tiling industry. Mm. You know, he, his family is, his father in particular is, is credited with inventing tile adhesive per se. Yeah. Yeah, very long, very long history with many generations involved in tiling yeah. and stone. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, yeah. so their family had very strong influence on, on, uh, on the industry as we know it today. Yeah. So he was certainly one person, you know, that I needed to 
get to know and understand, uh, you know, what he knew about the tiling industry for sure. Fred, you've been uh, you've been amazing today. I really appreciate um, all of the time that you've given myself and the community and, and answering some questions around AS3958. I have no doubt that there will be people in the community that will want to reach out and connect with you and talk, maybe talk specifically about the standards and or documents. We're going to put a whole bunch of stuff in the show notes as well about how contractors can access. I'll give, put the direct link in there so they can go straight to the website to purchase the uh, the new standards. Um, that way we'll make it nice and easy and accessible for people if they have trouble finding it. How do people reach out to you directly um, and get in touch if they want to have a chat? You know, it could just be a discussion with you about you or Laddercreed or could be anything really. So um, is oh, there sure. a, okay. an appropriate, appropriate way for people to stay in touch? Okay. All right. Well, um, technical services at Laddercreed.com um, will always get to me. So, um, you know, the email for me is my primary source of communications. Happy to talk to anybody, you know, anything tiling, anything standards, anything. Well, Fred, that's great. We'll we'll definitely get that information as well in the show notes um, so that people can uh, um, get in touch. Thanks again for today. Thanks for everything you've done. Thanks for volunteering your time and uh, and, and being involved in, in making the tiling space a, a bigger, better and brighter place. And uh, until next time, uh, Fred, um, stay connected. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tiling Connect. Don't forget to rate and review this podcast. To see more of Tiling Connect, jump on our socials and follow us via LinkedIn, Instagram and Facebook. If you'd like to be part of the show, email us at tilingconnect at gmail.com. Until next time, stay connected. Stay connected.